0: Hi, and welcome to the Bright Minds of E-Commerce podcast. I'm Dana, founder of Bright Red Marketing, your e-commerce advertising specialists. Today, we're here with Stephanie from Monty and Lunch Punch. She started Monty Co. from her garage five years ago when she couldn't find lunchtime essentials for her two little boys that lasted more than two seconds in the playground. So she decided to make them for herself. From there, they have developed a whole range of everyday essentials, grown to a team of 20 working out of two warehouses and with stockists all over the world. In today's episode, she shares her journey of growing from a work-from-home business to working out of multiple warehouses, the mindset shifts around those changes, and her most successful marketing strategies, including her tips around affiliate marketing and much more. So let's get into it. Welcome to episode 21. Today, we're here with Steph from Monty and Lunch Punch. Welcome, Steph. Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure to have you. So tell us a little bit about Monty and Lunch Punch. How did everything kind of come to be? All right. So I started first off with Lunch Punch. I actually purchased Lunch Punch from
1: a lovely lady called Kirsten. She'd been running the business for about seven years before I took over. And um, she basically got to the point where she just didn't want the brand to just close down because she was done. So she was looking for someone to kind of take the baton and keep running with it. So that's where I started. Lunch Punch was pretty little at that stage and I had absolutely no experience and no idea what I was doing. So started with that and then I think I had Lunch Punch for about eight months before I started Monty because I really wanted to take that learning that I had from lunch punch so learning about manufacturing and selling wholesale and retail and all of that and put my own brand on it because I felt like the lunch punch audience was a little too niche for what I was wanting to do so lunch punch makes sandwich cutters and bento products and they are aimed at quite young kids and yeah so once I started Monty we were able to kind of open up to a much wider demographic
0: there yeah. Fantastic. What was that process of buying a business like? Cause I know that's often people think about getting into business that they have to start from scratch. You've obviously bought a business. What was that process like?
1: I don't know if I'm great at giving advice on this because Kirsten was just so generous. So I feel like I probably paid far less than what the business was worth. And she really did such a great handover and held my hand and taught me everything because to her like lunch punch was, her baby and she had been trying to sell it for a while and not found not being able to sell it i guess at what she had imagined and she was at the point where it was kind of sell to someone or close down so she was just such a huge mentor for me really patient in that handover. But when I did purchase it, it uh, we had no social media presence. The website wasn't really working. It was kind of just a brand, a warehouse full of products that had been sitting there for quite
0: a while. And yeah, a whole lot of me not knowing what I was doing, really. I'm I think that's how everyone starts. I don't think anyone knows what they're doing in the beginning. True. And you know what? In some ways it's a blessing because
1: I think if someone had a told me all of the super hard bits that I was going to have to go through to get from there to where I am now, I'm not sure I would have signed up for it. So in some ways... It's funny because you're not the first person to say that. Really? (laughs) Yeah. In some ways, having no idea and being a bit naive about the process um, and what it's actually like running a business is great because I thought it was just going to be a little hobby that i do while my boys were having it up and
0: that it was going to be quite easy and, yeah, just I guess went into it with a pretty positive attitude. I think that's a good way to start, though. I think if you go in too negative, like you'd never succeed. Like you kind of need to go in with a bit of positivity and a little bit of naivety just to kind of like get going and then you learn the lessons along the way. So true. Yeah, it actually didn't really cross my mind that it could go wrong. (laughs) People ask
1: me, like, how did you feel like taking that big risk? And I'm like, well, at the time. I don't think I realized it was a big risk. <laughs> I do now. But yeah, at the time it just felt like I was pretty confident that it was going to work out.
0: Yeah, fantastic. So obviously you you purchased Lunch Punch and then started Monty. Tell us a little bit about that journey, you know, any lessons and things you learned that are are worth sharing about, you know, launching that second brand.
1: Yeah. So Monty, I originally started because I wanted to bring out some lunch bags. So I was searching for some products. For my two boys. They're quite um, rough and tumble, I guess, like stereotypical boys. And I just got so frustrated trying to find products that would one, look good, and two, last through the way that they treat things. And I found that products were either one or the other. So they were either, you know, I find Kmart makes stuff that looks really cool, but In three minutes, they've destroyed it and I need to replace it again. And then there were some other brands out there that made lunch bags and drink bottles and those products that would just last forever, but they were ugly or plain, very plain. So it was really born out of that frustration. And at the start, I tossed up whether I would just brand them Lunch Punch. And initially, that's what I had planned on doing. But I found that. Lunch Punch was just quite niche. The audience was quite niche. We had quite a few followers in America and a lot of, and I hadn't, for Lunch Punch, I didn't plan on launching Monty into America straight away. So I decided to set it up as its own brand. And I also felt like by starting it from scratch, it could be more me. So more like authentically me rather than starting with something that already existed. Mm. Yeah, so Monty was actually the name that my um, my second son was going to be called if he had a a girl. So <laughs> literally, my third baby.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, love it! I love it. So obviously, running two businesses is a big challenge and a big ask. Is there any kind of strategies you use to kind of manage your time? You know, management practices, organizational tools, just secret weird things that you do to kind of keep everything <laughs> under control. <laughs> Well, see, technically it's one
1: business and this is really complicated, but the business is called Westridge Goods and we treat it as two different brands underneath. So Westridge is kind of the brand that we sell wholesale products through and sell international. And then I have the two retail brands under, so Lunch, Punch and Monty. So it's kind of one business, but in saying that it's kind of three brands that we have to do marketing for (laughs) as well. Yeah. Yeah. Not sure if that's better or worse, but... I am a super organized person with work, not so much in my personal life. Unfortunately, (laughs) my house is quite chaotic, but always been a big list maker. And up until recently, that has been on paper. So I just found myself lugging a million different notepads around and rewriting and scribbling out lists. And just recently, I moved to an iPad and a program called GoodNotes. And that was a recommendation from Claire at on maxi actually and that has been a game changer for me because I basically have all of my like notepads and you can actually hand write your notes which I love so I use the Apple mm-hmm. pencil and hand write them but you can have all your notes in there electronically and so I still just basically write lists but I have multiple lists in there made myself some pretty templates in Canva to write my lists on but so on I use Asana for like ongoing big projects and stuff that involves the rest of the team but at the start of the week I sit down and map my week out and so you know Monday I'm focusing on this one big meaty task and Tuesday this is my one focus so I map out the whole week and generally a mix of work and you know whatever other personal commitments I've got and that really really works for me. I'm someone who has a million Ideas, and I have had to learn that I just can't do them all this week. So, being able to write them on a list so that they're not forgotten, and then sit down on the Sunday and go, you know, which of those million ideas am I going to try and tick off this week has really helped for me. I
0: love that because I'm then, a paper person too. <laughs> are you? I yeah. have
1: been. And my, my desk is just covered with lists, like written and rewritten. And then I was like,
0: it's just not really working anymore. Like, um, my desk has three of those to do list checker notepad things and then a plain notepad really? on it. I think, I think I need to take a, a page out of yours and Claire's book and have a look at this. Um, you should this app check on it out. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I love that you can design your own like notepad background in Canva. So, I did that. So, I've got like a whole week laid out already, and then I just rub it out from, you know, last week and then write up what I'm planning for next week. So, that's been really good. But in my actual work time, I also really struggle to focus. So I'll sit there and go, oh, I've got 10 things. Which one am I going to start on? And maybe have three of them on the go at once. But another tip that I picked up, this is actually from Leanne Weber from the founders team, is the Pomodoro timer.
0: So have good. you tried that before? I have.
1: Yeah, it's so great. And so I use noise cancelling headphones, even if I'm at home by myself, for some reason, it's helps me get in the zone. I set a timer, that, which they go for 25 minutes and then you get a five minute break. And I'll try to just focus on one task and knocking it over. And I found that just by doing that, I'm actually achieving so much more by the end of the day.
0: Um, yeah. I, yeah, I you know, have used that one before and it's fantastic. I just get out of the habit of using it, but no, it is a very, very powerful technique.
1: It is really good, isn't it? And I find my work days are actually quite short because I have kids here in school and I'm generally either dropping them off or picking them up or doing both. So I have to try and really maximize that time that I'm at work because I don't want to work in the evenings and, you know, carry it forward just because I was not focused when I did have work time.
0: No, I'm with you there. <laughs> Fantastic. So you've actually grown your business from working from home to, you said, a warehouse with 21 staff. That's right yes. I just so start that journey like I want to hear how you went from like working from home to like getting the warehouse and like your first staff members like tell us a little bit about that journey and kind of the do's and don'ts of that process. Sure. Yes
1: yeah, so I started from home. It was just me for quite a while and my husband when he would come home after work so um, we'd pack orders after the boys went to bed. And then the first person that I hired was a virtual assistant. She's actually a member of the founders team as well, Kirsty Wybra. And she was amazing. She started just doing two hours a week and that felt like such a stretch to pay for her time, but it just freed me up to focus on different things because she was kind of strong where I was weak. So I, for instance, really struggled to write. So if you ask me to talk, it's fine. I can talk and talk on video or talk on a podcast, that's fine. But ask me to write it down and I'm I'm just slow, painfully slow and I find it really hard. Whereas Kirsty was really great at that. So my first tip, I guess, for your first hire would be look at the part of the jobs in your business that you find really hard and don't enjoy doing and see if you can work out how to outsource those. So she started just doing those couple of hours a week and then that worked up and up. Eventually she left her uh, her day job and I think she was doing about 20 hours a week for us before she went off to have her baby. But the other, the next hire that I had was casual help to pack orders from home. And I just got to the point where it felt like I could grow the business as in I could see that the market was there, but I was limited by space from working at home. So in two ways, I guess. One, in not being able to buy too much stock because I had no space at home to store it. So started with the garage, took over the lounge room and put my kids in one bedroom together and took over another bedroom. And then we ended up getting some off-site storage, like just a container that we rented in a storage yard around the corner from us. But then we spent half our day driving back and forward between home and the container, bringing stock back. So yeah, that was, I guess, Physical space for the stock was the first way it was hurting us. And the second way was just hiring staff. So you can't really hire someone to come and pack orders unless you are standing beside the packing too, when it's at home. And so I just got to the point where I was like, I can never have a day off, even if I'm paying people to work because it's at home or, you know, I don't feel comfortable hiring people I don't know, come and work at home. So Yeah, it just got to the point where we were weighing up either moving to a 3PL, so a third party logistics and having them pack the orders for us or getting a warehouse of our own. And we we went through a bit of a process to investigate those two options, Um, but ended up deciding that, I guess for the second reason being that I wanted to be able to hire more staff and not necessarily just warehouse staff, we decided that we were better off getting a warehouse and office space. Because otherwise, if we had have moved to a three PL, the chances were that we'd need to rent an office anyway to have those other staff
0: in. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, decided to go down that path. We're super lucky that our accountant managed to work some some magic, and we actually purchased the warehouse using our super fund. Oh, self money. Yeah, purchasing. So my husband and I put our super together because like. We had put every cent that we had into stock and I thought, how are we even going to get a warehouse? But we managed to make that work and bought a little warehouse and we moved in about two years ago now. But we also rent two more warehouses in the same complex because we did outgrow that one quite quickly. Very nicely so, done
0: though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> kind of. I guess my second piece of advice would be don't buy the first warehouse that you need because you we, we outgrow just it. outgrow it. We outgrew it so quickly and now, yeah, I haven't really worked out. Actually, we got to the point we've had ours and the one next door for just over a year now and then I had our like operations manager coming to me going, I don't know where I'm going to put all this stuff. You've got, you know, a whole bunch of containers coming. You've got no room. You're going to have to work it out. And then just magically the universe helped us and one other business in the complex moved out. And I was like, there we go. (laughs) We'll
0: take that one too, please. Thank you. Yes, thank you.
1: So I think that'll get us through the next year or so and then we'll have to work out what we're doing again. So, yeah, don't buy the first warehouse. Maybe just rent the first one. and then See um, how you go and then, and see then buy how you the go next go one maybe.
0: Next. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Did you find you had like a, the the whole mindset thing is, is very, I suppose, popular and on a lot of people's minds, I suppose. Did you have any kind of like mindset challenges around growing from at home to, you know, Hiring multiple warehouses? Yeah, absolutely. It's not easy. And I would say the, the biggest thing that I
1: struggled with is like on a personal level is that what the business needs from me now is totally different to what it needed then. So what made me really good as a startup operator or successful as a startup operator is not what the business needs for me now that we have 21 staff. So I, in my head... I guess had this stereotypical picture of what a manager would look like. And I kept trying to mold myself into becoming that. So I'm naturally like a pretty introverted person. I would say I'm pretty creative. I'm a bit of a nerd. I actually love doing the website and doing like Facebook ad configuration and all that kind of stuff. So I had kind of in my head thought, all right, you're going to have to toughen up now. Like you're going to have to be a bit, you know, serious and stern and you're going to have to, you know, no time on the tools and you're just a people manager and all this stuff. And to be honest, I was pretty miserable for a while there, just trying to really mould myself into something that I'm just not. Mm. And then I actually did some work with Christine Corcoran, did some coaching with her and it just felt like she or well, she literally said to me you have permission to just lead this business as you you don't have to completely change who you are and that was just a huge game changer for me because I was like oh I, I still can be soft and gentle and creative and introverted but be a good leader as well I just had to hire people who could do those bits that I couldn't do so our operation, we've got an operations manager now, Aaron, and he's not afraid to have the hard conversations that I'm afraid to have. And he's really great at running and coordinating a team and everything. So I don't have to be, I can just be deciding on the strategy and, you know, directing from a different perspective. Mm. And yeah that was really a huge game changer and and just giving myself permission to still be me has meant that I really enjoy working in my business again even though my role has changed
0: yeah I think it comes back to what you said what you said before like you've got to outsource the parts of the business you don't like like that's that's part of growing as a business you got to enjoy what you do
1: and if that means outsourcing bits and pieces
0: that's what it means
1: yeah, so for me, I've pretty much outsourced most of the day-to-day running of the business, so that I can still be in a creative role because that's what makes me feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So I want to be sitting there writing, or you're not writing necessarily, but you know, making changes on the website. And I want to be there setting up ads, and I want to show up on Instagram stories every day. So you know, keeping those bits and and going home at the end of the day feeling like I've achieved something was really important to me whereas there are personalities that just absolutely love going in and just leading a team but not doing any
0: doing yeah and
1: yeah it's just not me so yeah, oh, got I think there.
0: it's great you found <laughs> you found your space as the business grows yeah yeah but it
1: was a hard transition to go through and I guess at every stage like when you're little when the business is little I kept thinking once we get bigger it'll be easier you know, once I've got staff, it'll be easier. Once I get a warehouse, it'll be easier. And I don't necessarily think it is easier. I think that it just changes. So there's different challenges and, you know, different highs as well, obviously. But, yeah, different challenges as the business grows.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So obviously your business has grown quite significantly. We love to ask people about what they're doing marketing wise. Um, when you first started, what were kind of the, the best strategies that you had to get customers in those early days?
1: So for us, we, we started with mainly a wholesale strategy and that was um, purely because I had purchased Lunch Punch before I started Monty and Lunch Punch was wholesale only. So that was such a great platform for us because I was able to launch Monty with, you know, zero followers, but get orders in because those Mm. wholesalers who already knew me would give our brand a go. But in saying that our wholesale customers, obviously, if you are purely a wholesale brand, their profitability isn't that great because the margin is lower. So we were a couple of years in. And you know, looking at the PL going, well, we're making a lot of sales, but we're actually not super profitable because all of those sales are either wholesale or to distributors. So our distributors purchase direct from China and they purchase at a lower price point again. So I made a conscious effort that it was time for us to add some retail into the mix. So I wanted to do it in a really respectful way, as in, I don't want to compete with our stockers. So We don't stock any other brands. We only sell our own brands. And, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm conscious of not constantly discounting or doing anything like that to upset our stockers because they're our initial customers and without them, I feel like I would have nothing. But adding the retail into the mix really did help improve our profitability. So we had to start that from nothing. So genuinely zero followers, no customers, nobody knowing who we were. And... The thing that really worked for me, I guess, was just showing up consistently and showing up as me, showing that there's a person behind the brand. We're not just a big um, corporation or anything like that. And Instagram, Instagram Stories was the first real platform where I got to know our audience and they got to know me. And that's where initially most of our sales came from.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. I want to talk about your Instagram in a second, but do you have any tips or strategies for people who do want to go down the wholesale route?
1: Yeah. Every single thing that we do in our business, we do with wholesale customers in mind as well, because they are, the way that I look at them is they're like a part of our team. They're out there actively pushing our brand to their audience. They're introducing us to people who would never have seen us otherwise. And So we just really run our business with our wholesale customer in mind. We have an extensive gallery of images that we make available. So basically my goal is to make it as easy as possible for them to sell our products, so give them everything they need so that they don't have to take their own photos or make their own video. We kind of try and do all of that for them. And then otherwise being pretty lucky, we don't actively really try and find new stockers, they generally just come to us. Um but Which is nice. I guess it, yeah <laughs> very lucky. But I guess the other thing is just to factor in that wholesale price when you're calculating your retail price when you start because it's obviously very hard if you've retailed for a couple of years to to go in and change your prices to make room for wholesale. So if you're planning on wholesaling, I guess factor that in when you're calculating your prices up front.
0: Yeah. I think calculating that price is something a lot of people struggle with. The um, episode we've got launching after yours is actually with a pricing strategist, which I think will be helpful to people as well. But yeah, I think that's important because I know I've seen a lot of posting groups and things where people are like, Oh, I want to wholesale or make any money. What do I do? Yeah, (laughs) Like what's the wholesale margin again? Like, yeah, it's it's, it's a tricky one. (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah it is tricky it is and for us it was once we had the mix so once we had you know our own retail customers as well as wholesale that's when I feel like things started to go really well just focusing on one or the other was much harder because it definitely like when we launch a new product now if the launch was only going to the people who would see it based on our retail channels because we wouldn't sell anywhere near as much as what we do when all of those wholesalers are out there actively blasting, you know, our message out there at the same time. So yeah, it just it's worked gives you a bit extra well
0: coverage, us. which is fantastic. It really does. Yeah. Lovely. Um, now you mentioned Instagram stories is a big one for you. Do you want to give us a little bit of an insight into kind of your strategy on using those, especially in the the early days, we'll get into what you do now um, in yeah. a second. I think no like and trust. That was Just the motto that I had in
1: the back of my head was just making sure people knew who I was, not just the products, like they really knew me, that they liked us. So liked our products, liked what I was doing, and that they felt like they could trust me as a person or trust us as a business. So especially when you're buying online and you can't physically touch the product or see the quality of it before you buy, it's so important that people trust you. Otherwise- Why would they purchase from you online? So my strategy in the early days was really just to show up every day and to show, to try and not be too salesy. So to show bits of everyday life, bits of who I am as a person, and then a little bit of salesy stuff now and then. And yeah, that just really worked. So our Instagram kind of grew from there and I guess our strategy is not, to- not too different from that now, to be honest.
0: Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what you do now. Obviously, you mentioned you like to play with your own ads. I assume yes. <laughs> your Facebook and Instagram ads are, are part of that. But what kind of do you do now to get those sales? So
1: email is our best converting channel now. So we ran quite a few campaigns or launches where people had to sign up to the email list in order to be able to get the promotion. We actually did that for Black Friday two years in a row. So Black Friday sale was email only. And it's probably our best converting in terms of like paid advertising. Google Ads is the best converting of those paid channels. But I guess once people are searching for you in Google, a lot of our customers are searching for us by name. Once they're there, of course, they're going to convert because they're actively or they're going to be more likely to convert because they're already in there actively searching, wanting to buy or wanting to find out more. Yeah. And so I guess the Google ads probably have less people, but of the people that see them are more likely to convert. Yep. And
0: then makes we, sense.
1: we use, yeah, we use Pinterest and Facebook ads for traffic generation, so for trying to get our photos and videos and products in the in front of eyes who haven't seen us before and I am a nerd as I told you earlier I love getting in there and tweaking just testing and seeing what works whether it's you know a different audience or
0: a different creative or I mean you're talking to a Facebook ads nerd so I mean I'm with you there
1: yeah (laughs) I love that so I don't and I don't feel like once you work out what works, that it's just set and forget, it, it
0: never huh. is. It's like, I mean, I'd be out of a job actively, if it was to be fair.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> 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 we're actively, yeah, that wouldn't be great. <laughs> I mean, It'd be fantastic for business, I'll give
1: it that, but
0: yeah, it's yeah. unfortunately not set and forget at all. It's just not how
1: it works, and so yeah, that's kind of a weekly thing for me that I'm in there looking, you know, is this creative looking a bit old, or have we had a new product that I can update, or how can I tweak to optimize? But those are our main channels. I would love to get into TikTok ads, but I felt like it was just one too many channels for us to tackle this year. And yeah. Pinterest is new for us this year. So um,
0: I would step by step. <laughs> when you have the mental space for it, the results that I've heard of, we haven't done anything internally yet, but the results I've heard of from people using TikTok ads is insane. Really? Like, yeah. Ridiculous, like early day Facebook sort of results, oh,
1: that's and I think great. you've got Actually, the right
0: kind of fun content that you would be able to do it very, very well. So, and the the TikTok <laughs> reps are fantastic, unlike the um Facebook. Yeah. Sorry, Facebook. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, no, they they are horrible, aren't they? Oh, they found it it's funny because Pinterest contacted us about having an account rep. And in the same week, so did Facebook. And it just ended up that we had the calls back to back and it's just chalk and cheese. So Pinterest is absolutely amazing. So we've got an account rep who meets with us fortnightly. It's all free and they give us tips on optimizing and stuff like that. And then Facebook is—they're just horrible. They rang and they were clearly not in Australia. Very, very difficult to understand. Like there's no video. Don't know what they're
0: talking about either. Like the things they suggest um, for campaigns is ridiculous. You're like, what? What are you doing?
1: That's it. It seems really one size fits all as well. So you know, he—he was. I found it annoying that there was no video. Because his accent was really hard to understand. And he's saying, well, now click on this and do this. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And why are you even telling me to do that? <laughs> yeah, that's a little more tricky. But we've had pretty good results with both, I would say. Working on like a bit of a full funnel strategy these days. So we're running traffic ads, conversion ads, and catalog sales as well. Yeah, lovely. And that's kind of where we're at with those. Okay, so basically you're telling me hurry up and do TikTok ads.
0: <laughs> yeah, I yeah. it's still at the point where you can kind of get away with not doing it perfectly and still make a lot of money out of it. <laughs> um, book a call with a TikTok rep. That that would be my suggestion. Okay. Very easy to get on the phone with, even if it's like cause you need to create. And for anyone listening, for TikTok ads, you need to have TikTok content. It cannot be like a polished Facebook ad that you put on TikTok. It has to be made for yeah. TikTok. So the reps will be able to have a look and see what you're doing and give you some suggestions and things. But their reps good are idea. super, super helpful. Even if you're not ready okay. to do it yet, at least you can kind of get that, the gears going and start coming up with some yeah, ideas and things. Good idea. Actually, this morning when I logged into Shopify too, I saw that they've got a
1: promotion saying, spend $20 on TikTok ads get $200 credits so
0: they're obviously trying to push it at the yeah. moment and they are definitely trying to break into the the Australian market quite heavily and quite quickly so it's a good time to be dabbling but obviously <laughs> like you never want to stretch yourself too thin with marketing because you want to make sure you're doing everything right but it's if you're in a position to it's something I would recommend at least looking into
1: okay good tip <laughs>
0: Talking about customers and things, obviously a lot of your products are reusable. Do you have any tips on things on getting repeat customers and kind of keeping that lifetime customer value up? Obviously it's not, you know, fast fashion or, you know, cheap things that break really easily. Like that's the whole point of your business.
1: (laughs) For us, it's really just been about diversifying the product range. So When we first started, I actually only had drink bottles and then it was about six months later that we added lunch bags and since then I've kind of gradually added to the range. So added smoothie cups, coffee cups and food jars and other products. So where we're at now, we're quite lucky that people come back because there's more products in the range that is suited to them as well or they come back to purchase for other family members or gifts for other people. So we do actually have quite a good return customer rate I guess better than you'd expect being reusable product but I do find our customers just love new launches and every time we launch a new product or a new print they just laugh it up but they also come and buy a lot of the existing products as well so if we launch one say a new print in a lunch bag When people order, they don't just order that, they'll order that and a drink bottle and a smoothie cup. It really just spurs on the sales. So I guess probably two years ago, we dropped our entire new release for the year in one hit and then just kind of had nothing new to show them for quite a long time. And But now I've learned to do it in smaller drops just to give people a reason, one, not I guess, not just a reason to shop, but a reason to follow us and be excited and engaged and interested because we've got new things to tell them about fairly frequently throughout the year.
0: Yeah. It's, I think it's important to make sure there's, you know, something new to share, whether it is a, a new print or a new product or, you know, that kind of applies to most businesses really. Like if you haven't got new content, people can get bored quite easily.
1: They do. Yeah. And then they just scroll past it because it's all familiar. They've seen it before. So we invest a lot of time and energy into content creation as well. So we have an internal photographer now who works with us full time and we have a built a studio in our warehouse. So oh, amazing, um, in the corner of one of the warehouses. So it's nice and easy for us to churn out content. So generally a couple of days a week, we're in there either taking video or photos and making sure we've got up-to-date content for whatever's happening. So, you know, we've finished our Christmas content now, but we've moved on to creating specific content for back to school. Yep. So we work a couple of months ahead. But, yeah, so we've got fresh photos, even if not fresh product, but yeah. fresh content for Showing things in different for our wholesalers. Way. Yeah, like. exactly. That's also important, I think, too. Yeah,
0: fantastic. Before we get into the last questions that we like to ask everyone, is there anything you think we've missed? Anything that you think is worth sharing? I guess
1: one really great marketing tip that works for us is affiliate marketing. And it really, really helped us in the early days. So I would say that we were focusing equally on wholesale and affiliates. So our affiliates are mostly micro-influencers or smaller influencers who we work with and we gift them products and they post and create content and share that with the discount code for their followers and they earn a commission based on the sales that come through using their discount code so mm. for us that was a really cost effective way to start marketing and reaching other audiences without paying the big fees that some of the influencers charge yeah that's worked really well for us so we've got quite a network of affiliates now who we work with and actually our highest performing affiliate is nowhere not the one with the biggest audience so last year she earned about $23,000 worth of commission and she only has she only has 3,000 followers so it's um completely unrelated it's really comes down to how I guess how closely her audience aligns with our products and our brand values and how engaged they are with them so for us you know we send her a few products every time we have a release and she posts
0: about it and it's just
1: great for both of us it's a great opportunity for her I guess to earn some
0: income too yeah. Fantastic. Do you have any tips yeah. for people looking for those kind of partnerships? And did you use a particular software program to track the affiliates?
1: Yes. So we have an app that we use. We Our stores run on Shopify and the app is called Affiliately. And we use that to automatically track the source of where the sales have come from. And it tells you what the commission should be. And you can set up all kinds of different structures. So different commissions when you're running a promotion and that kind of stuff. And then for us, I guess, just reaching at the start out with the people who are already engaged with your brand and reach out to them. So if you're noticing someone's ordered a few times and they're engaging with you on Instagram and they seem to take a decent photo and talk about your product anyway, we reached out to them and just said, would you be interested in being an affiliate? And I think the other tip would be, Go into it knowing that not every time is going to be successful. So, you know, if you send product to 10 people as affiliates, expect that a couple may or may not post and just be okay with that. Be okay that it's a lower cost type of marketing and that, but that it's not going to be successful a hundred percent of the time. So yeah,
0: I find it's really an numbers game Do or- you is. find the right people. Mm-hmm. It is.
1: Yeah. And I just had to let go of the fact that, you know, I have sent somebody $50 worth of product and they either didn't post or they did post and the audience didn't buy anything, just had to let it go because otherwise I wouldn't have kept trying and I wouldn't have found the ones that really do convert and really do well for our brands. So,
0: yeah. And I think what you said before that your best performing affiliate only has 3000 followers. So I suppose it really doesn't come down to numbers. A lot of people are like, oh, I need to find someone with 100,000 followers because that makes them an influencer. Like you can yeah. have someone that has 3,000 that, you know, can generate obviously a, a huge number of sales if she's getting paid $20,000 for it. Yeah, exactly. She <laughs> like, did. It was
1: amazing. We were all shocked. And, and yeah, it can really be great if it works. So we feel bigger influencers. And we do work with them too, but I find that you're paying you know, a large amount of money for, you know, maybe 30 seconds that they talk about your brand and then they move on to talking about other brands. So you kind of get a bit of a spike maybe in orders or maybe just a spike in followers when they talk about you. But with the affiliates, they're they're out there day after day talking about you and telling their friends and taking, you know, posting Stories of them drinking out of their coffee cup on the way to work, or whatever it is. So it's just the like the value that you get out of it, and the community that you build by
0: working with affiliates is so great. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. Anything else before we finish up? That was an amazing. (laughs) That was an amazing last (laughs) note. I'm glad you mentioned that. Thank you very much. (laughs) We talked (laughs) about this briefly at the start, but do you have any other strategies or habits that you follow each day to help you stay on track?
1: I exercise every day first thing as soon as I wake up and it's not because I'm a gym junkie. I mean, if you've seen me, you can probably tell I'm not a gym junkie, but I do that for my mental health because I find like I struggle struggle with anxiety, but also it can be quite stressful running a business and the temptation is definitely there to work 24-7. And I just found starting my day with something that wasn't thinking about work has been really great for me. I think just Removing the pressure that exercise has to be something exciting or something really high impact. And most of the time for me, it's just going for a walk. So I do 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 some personal training a couple of times a week, but most days I just get up, go for a walk, and I listen to a podcast while I'm walking. I make sure it's a podcast that is not work-related. So something just for me, something I enjoy listening to. And then just I find starting my day like that makes me so much more productive and happier for the rest of the day.
0: Yeah, probably a bit boring. I love that. No, not boring at all. And I think it's important that Mm -hmm. we talk about mental health because I suffer from anxiety and depression too. Like I see a psychologist on a regular basis. Like it's good to hear Um, how other people are managing that because it has to be a thing that is done daily. Like it's not something that you can kind of just go see yourself once a month. Um, You know, there's got to be the the daily Mm -hmm. habits in there that really help that. So thank you for mentioning that. I, I love it. On that note, what's your favorite podcast? The personal non-business ones are totally fine. Yeah,
1: (laughs) I actually, I saw the questions about um, asking what my favorite book, business book and my favorite podcast were. And I thought, oh no, she's going to hate this because I actually purposely do not read business books and I don't, I listen to business podcasts when I'm at work, but in my own time, I listen to non-businessy ones. So to
0: make you feel less bad about it, the last episode I recorded, she mentioned stand-up comedy podcasts and we've had many she? people mention <laughs> crime podcasts. So this is not a business question. Yeah. I just like to hear what people's favourite podcasts are. Great. <laughs>
1: okay, that I can do. Well, I'm, it's definitely not a crime podcast because I'm a big sissy and I'd probably never yep. be able to sleep. Me too. So I can listen to that. I'm with you there. But I love Mamma Mia Loud because they just talk about whatever's happening in the news and whatever's, you know, interesting celeb news or whatever it is. I really enjoy The Undone as well, although I know that's targeted to um, people in their 20s. They say that at the start of every episode and I'm like, look, I'm not in my 20s, but I'm just here listening, all
0: right? I'm going to enjoy it anyway. <laughs> Leave me alone.
1: <laughs> yes. Um otherwise I really enjoy Um She Was the Fire by Courtney Mangan. She's another Gold Coast business owner. Oh, lovely. Well, so, yeah. And then in yeah. terms of books, I love trashy chick lit books. I actually read every night before I go to bed. Otherwise, my brain just does not turn off. So, Huge reader. I
0: might so, have to yeah. get some recommendations for you off us. <laughs> <laughs> From you. Because yeah, I'm also too. a fan. <laughs> And what is the best way for people to reach and contact you or if they want to buy your products? By the way, everyone, my order arrived while we were recording and I hope you didn't hear my doorbell.
1: <laughs> Great timing. <laughs> so where I hang out most would be over on Instagram um, at monty.co and, yeah, I'm on the stories pretty much there every day having a chat. Otherwise, oh, there'll be links to our website from there anyway if you're interested in checking out our products
0: too. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining us on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. Thanks so much, Dharma. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to the 21st episode of the Bright Minds of Ecommerce podcast. Don't forget, we load all of the links and show notes onto our website. You can find everything at brightredmarketing.com.au forward slash episode 21. The link will also be in the episode description. Thanks so much for listening.